you know, I, I mentioned what the, the symbol of the cross means after our prelude, and it was really a powerful moment, if you remember last week what happened. As we were, were singing our closing song, I did whatever I did on the keyboard, and I said, yo, an acapella, you know, I give up. And we sang, and as we're singing, I'm looking out that window, and if you, if you remember this, someone walked up with their dog, was taking the dog for a walk, obviously, and then I was kind of watching as I was singing, and curious what they're doing, and they just quietly put their hand on the cross, kind of bowed their head as if to pray, and I don't know if that's what was happening, but what a powerful moment, what a symbol the cross is, what a symbol the church is in the community, even though we're small in numbers, and even our community, which is much bigger than our church, is small, what an impact. And again, you come over that hill and you see the light of the cross in the evening. Does anybody else feel like home when they see that? Does anybody else, when they see the, the sign in the building and, and it just looks so beautiful and you just know that's our church home, right? right? It's like base camp, you know? It's like from here, this is, this is where we go out and do our stuff, but we always come back here to get recharged. So it's, it's amazing, and it's wonderful to be part of it. And that was such an almost chilling moment to see that last week. It was so powerful. Anyway, I'd like to begin this week's message by reading the scripture you remember again. This is from Hebrews 13. It says, Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. And, and I titled this week's message, Entertaining Angels, and it's a reference to this verse. You know, this, this scripture was an exhortation from the Apostle Paul, and it's right in line with our current message series. Several weeks ago, we looked at the highest common denominator, and we realized that we are all brothers and sisters, because despite any difference we think we may have otherwise, we have the same Heavenly Father who created us, who loves us and calls us to love one another. If you don't, you know, someone who doesn't believe in God, that does not make them any less a child of God. It does not make them any less your brother or sister. Okay? And as we talked about what it means to act and live and talk and respond and even fight like a Christian a couple of weeks ago, we were reminded that the overwhelming instruction in each case is to what? To love. To love. And as we studied Jesus' words, we realized that the best way to follow him is to go. Go tell others about him. Go live a life that has changed. Go about your life giving glory and honor to God. Go support the ministry of others and go serve. And last week as we celebrated the 4th of July holiday, we studied the biblical definition and call to freedom. During both the Sunday morning service and the two Bible study opportunities that week, we looked at, the, at Paul's message in Galatians 5. Particularly during the Wednesday night Bible study, we concluded that Paul was telling us to use our freedom to love and serve others. And this is where we're going to pick up this morning's message. It's interesting because we're not necessarily a congregation of people who shout amen and hallelujah. And I work like crazy to even get you guys to smile or laugh sometimes. Thank you. <laughs> but one thing was interesting, I, I you know, and, and, and Sherry, if I could pick on you, you're not a, a shouter or hand raiser or anything like that, but I, I told her yesterday, I said, you know what, the last couple weeks I've knocked like three minutes off my sermon, and I hear her go, amen, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm going to read the scripture from Hebrews one more time. 
Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember those who, who's being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. It says keep loving each other as brothers and sisters. It, it sounds like the recipients of Paul's words were already doing this. But how, you know this letter, which is still applicable today, this letter written to us, because God says, I'm going to put in this book, this is for you. It may have been written thousands of years ago, but your letter's in here. How do you think the world's doing with this instruction to keep loving each other? What about our nation or even just our community? How are we doing? Are we still loving each other? Are people loving each other as brothers and sisters? And if you share my sentiment that there is a large opportunity for improvement in the way that people treat each other, let me ask you this question. What about you? What about me? Are we loving others? Are we loving ourselves? If you don't think people are doing a good job in this uh, in general and you, you believe that it is out of your control or even out of your influence, let me remind you of this. You are responsible for your individual part, and that's good news, okay? Because that is a manageable piece. Scripture tells us in Romans 14, 12, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And this is echoed in Matthew 12, 36. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Now, before you panic as you think of everything you did or didn't do and you wonder what it'll be like to be in heaven and have all this laid bare, let me give you two reasons for hope. First, your heavenly Father loves you and he will forgive you. All you have to do is repent, okay? And repent isn't just saying, I'm sorry. And repent is not just a promise you'll never do it. Repent says, God, this is what I've done. I should have done it. I am sorry. And then you turn away from that sin towards God. Now, will you do it again? Hopefully not. That's the goal. But, but repenting and God's promises, if you continue to repent, God will continue to forgive you. Okay? That's the first reason for it. The second is this. You can make a difference. You can. Whether you do so as an individual or you're counted among a large, larger number that do, your life and the way that you live, it does matter. So don't stop doing the right thing. Don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 encourages us with these words. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It is not for you to determine what is the proper time. Okay? But do not grow weary. Do not give up. You will reap a harvest, or better yet, God will. You see, loving and serving others makes a difference. From Isaiah 58.10, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Don't you want to be a part of that? Loving and serving others, it's an act of worship. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved this. Loved us. We loved because he first loved us. And, and it was interesting. I, I came across a new translation I wasn't familiar with called the Passion Translation. I hadn't been familiar with that. And it's, it's a very casual language. But when I read that in the, the Passion Translation, it says, our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. Now that's pretty deep. We love because he first loved us. Now, we, hopefully we get the meaning of that. But when this other translation says, our love for others, my love for you, your love for other people, is a grateful response to God's love for us. 
Remember we talked about that in our time of offering? God is investing us. He is loaning and lending to us. Our grateful response is to love others. Paul writes in Romans, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What we do here on the morning, Sunday morning, is a worship service. But everything we do outside of it should also be worship. That God uses us in ways we don't even realize. From 1 Peter 1.12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. Interesting. They thought they were serving themselves, but God was using us. He said, when they spoke of the things that they have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And it says, even angels long to look into these things. God will use you in your words. You know, loving and serving others, it's an act of obedience. Now, obedience is kind of a negative word. You think it, it seems harsh, obedience. But the choice to be obedient is a joyful choice. God gives you rules and commandments. They're loving limits. They're not to feel like this. It's so within those safe confines, we can do whatever we want. We talked about that last week with real freedom. You do have real freedom. You have freedom to do whatever you want within the confines of what God committed. The truth is you have true freedom to sin, but that's not really a good choice, is it? 1 Samuel 12, 14 advises, be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. In obedience, we will fear the Lord. Now, this is reverent fear. This is respectful fear. This isn't I'm afraid of God. It says faithfully serve him with all of your heart. 1 Peter 4.10, he says, Each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And we listen to this one pretty regularly because it's a really good reminder that God gives each of us something different. We're each different parts of the same body, this Christian body. And he uses all these parts differently. And this word stewardship, which is a churchy word. But if we look at it as God is lending, God is loaning, God is giving to us, stewardship means we're being responsible with these things. He's given your health. What are you doing with it? You know, are you taking care of your body? Are you are you using the energy that you have to do things that that are glorifying, glorifying God. Loving and serving others is what Jesus modeled as our perfect example. That's what's wonderful about Jesus. God didn't just write this book and say, do this, and you know, it's kind of like Ikea furniture where it says it can be done, so surely I can figure out how to do it. No, he says, not only am I going to tell you how to do it, I'm going to send someone down and I'm going to show, show you by his example. Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We hear that all the time. He did not come to be served. He didn't come down and say, I'm here, worship me. He says, I'm here, watch what I do, and worship him. Maybe we're too busy to serve. Maybe we're too proud to serve. Listen to Jesus' own words. He says, And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Right? Now, it's okay to rest. God builds in rest into the calendar, right? That's how we're supposed to spend our Sabbath, resting, time of worship, time with family. God knows there are many people, very industrious characters in the Bible. Even in King David himself was told, 
take a break and rest. We need it. He knows. And you need to be restored. Right? Sometimes we're in a position where we need to be receptive of ministry, not a giver of ministry. And these are periods of time, and they aren't, I've hit this age, so now I can receive, you know. Some of my favorite Sunday school teachers were these little old ladies. They seem so old at the time. They don't seem so old now. <laughs> but, right? I mean, you don't pay your dues and then you're done. You, you take breaks and you step in and out of roles and ministries, and it's amazing what you're doing now you may have never pictured at any time in your life before, Right? Things change, and there's times to step in and serve, and times to, to step out and be. You need to be ministered to because you've got stuff going on in your life, and you need someone to tell you and remind you that God loves you. Listen again to Jesus' example. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? Okay, because Jesus was a teacher above all else. And the best way to know if someone's learning something is to test them. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now this isn't just literally saying, I'm the son of God. All this has been put on me. You know what I'm going to do with this power? I'm going to serve you. It's the story of his ministry. And what does he say? Now do the same. Go, go. And loving and serving others isn't just what Jesus did. His other followers did too. Right? From Acts 20, 35, it says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. Okay? He's writing and saying, look at what I've done. Not, not necessarily look at what I've done, yay me. But he's saying, I've shown you how to work hard and to serve. Okay? And he says, and then he gives the glory to Jesus. He says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Right? And it feels good too. What's interesting is sometimes we're well intentioned and we say, I'm going with you in spirit, right? And we definitely want to pray with people, we want to pray for people, we want to, but sometimes we just haphazardly say, and maybe people don't say this as much anymore, but you say, Here they like, I'm with you in spirit. And it reminded me of this movie, Land of the Lost, Will Ferrell. Um, I'm not saying I'm nodding, but yeah, it's good. Dumb, but good. But there's a character, Will Stanton, and, and he's talking to Dr. Rick Marshall. He's played by Will Ferrell. And Will Ferrell's about to, you know, he's going to go. Well, I want to ruin the movie for you. Um, and he says, you know what, Dr. Rick Marshall, I am with you. You've been a friend to me. I am with you. I'm with you. And he goes, good, let's go. And he goes, oh, I didn't think you were going to mean like now. <laughs> you know, but you go. I got your back, you know. Do we do that sometimes? Do we do that? 1 John 3, 18 says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's okay to go with someone in spirit if you are truly going with them in spirit. I know you're facing a struggle. I know you're going to the doctor's office this week. I know that you've got this going on. I'm going to be praying for you on Wednesday at 10 o'clock when you're going in your appointment. That is truly going with someone in spirit. And again, we don't do things for God's favor. God's favor is, is this bonus, this blessing, right? It is the end result, not the target of what we do. So God wants to bless you for your commitment to loving and serving others. From Luke 6, 38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. Now you know where I'm going because I use this one a lot. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, 
will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He's talking about love. He's talking about forgiveness. If you're reading it in context, that's what he's talking about. These things that we ask God for, God be with me when this, are we using that same measure to be with others? God, forgive me for what I've done. Are we using that same measure? God's saying, whatever you use, however big or how small, I don't have anything here. You know, if I say, I'll forgive you. You need a little more forgiveness than that, but I'm going to give you this much. And God says, okay, I'm going to take this measure, and I'm going to pack it full, and it's going to run over. I'm like, oh, man, I need, I need this. <laughs> God says, then use that. Use that with other people. Hebrews 6.10 reminds us of what a good, good father we have. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. Now, this, again, is not a reason in itself to do good, nor is this the golden ticket to get you into heaven because we know the truth, right? That's not how grace works. Grace isn't because you did this and this and this, but God does know that you did this and this and this, and he pleases him. He delights in it. The blessing in God's favor is a bonus for doing what Scripture describes as whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure and lovely, admirable. Anything is excellent and praiseworthy, right? This is this list of things that we should put our mind to. And God says, you know, focus on these things. You know what? And God will bless you for it. Apostle Paul writes uh, in 2 Chronicles 15.7, that as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Again, Paul summed up real well in Romans 12.9-13. So remember this. He says, Love must be sincere. Ooh. I can love you. Love you. Love you. You know, how many people say that at the end of a conversation? Love you. Bye. Right? We do it, but we, we mean it every time. Um, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, right? says, but keep your spiritual fervor. Remember the, those, those mountaintop moments when you're like, yeah, God is good. He's answering my prayers. I'm on fire. I want to know more about him. He says, keep that kind of zeal. Keep that spiritual fervor. Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Why does he say patient in affliction? Because it's temporary. It's temporary. Faithful in prayer. Why? Because it's necessary. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. And it says, practice hospitality. So how will you respond? What difference will you choose to make? How will you allow God to use you? Listen to what, what happened. Luke 10, 1 through 2, he says, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers in the harvest. And he echoes this in Matthew 9, 37 through 38. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out more workers in the harvest field. Right? Everything in and outside this building, this entire world is a harvest field. He says, the harvest is plentiful. There is a lot of opportunity out there to be obedient and godly and Christ-like and to love and serve and save. 
lot of work. A lot of work to be done, though, right? And he says, so ask God to send out more workers. So we do. We pray, God, let's have a lot of people. Let's make a difference. But let me jump back to Isaiah 6, 8. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I write, here I am, send me. Now, which person will you be? The person who prays for the Lord to send more laborers? Lord, send people out there, right? Are you going to be the one that goes? And you can be the one, and it's not bad to pray for those because we are called to serve missions and ministries. We are not all called to be missionaries, not in the sense of the, the world traveling missionaries, but we can all serve and, and support them, right? So are you going to be the person that, that prays for more people out there? Are you going to be the one that goes? Are you going to be the bystander that says, it's someone else's place? You want to learn more about this? I'm going to share with you three options, and I really do hope you accept all three. Beginning this Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we will be studying what it, what it means to be a contagious Christian. Now, that's a very unfortunate title right now. I know. The name is Unfortunate Coincidence Considering the Global Pandemic. But this is a multi-part study, and, and this, it's a discussion based on the book with the same title, Contagious Christianity. It's about sharing your story. I won't, I won't reveal it, and it's really not off-putting. It's, we're not all going to come out being evangelists and start knocking on doors and screaming, but we are going to be aware of opportunities. And the Wednesday night studies are weekly. They're shared on Zoom. If you're familiar with that, everybody's probably heard of it by now. And this means you can join on your smartphone or your, or your computer. There's nothing to read or prepare ahead of time. You just connect. All the on the slide on your screen will be whatever verse we're reading, whatever question. And if you can only just call in, you can certainly keep up. And if you'd like me to send you the information to connect, be sure to send me an email or let me know, and I'll make sure you get the invitation. The second opportunity will be next Sunday morning at 8.30. We, we have begun meeting again on Sunday mornings, first and third Sundays each month at 8.30 for, in the Fellowship Hall for a Bible discussion. And we will also be doing something along the lines, a little uh, kind of a fun exercise, not as fun as when we decorated cookies. That was, that was a ministry moment, and I can't do that all the time. But uh, we'll be doing a little exercise on that as well in line with the same type of study. And the third opportunity is for you and I to talk one-on-one. -on -one. If you are facing doubts, if you are struggling with understanding what it means to love another or love yourself, I want to hear from you. Okay? I don't have all the answers, but I know where you can find them. And it would be my honor to help you discover God's plan for you in whatever season you're in. And if you don't feel comfortable talking to me, then talk to somebody. Don't miss an opportunity to get the answers and the guidance you're looking for. And just as a general reminder, we are a community church, Golden Beach Community Church. We don't check IDs or require memberships or anything like that for to participate in any of these opportunities. All are welcome. That statement is printed on the sign by the highway. It's literally embossed on the sign right there uh, out front. And, and it is the premise by which the community church was founded. Likewise, invite others to participate as well. Now, my risky prayer, and if you guys remember what a risky prayer is, these are, these are good prayers, but the risk is you may have to do something beyond your comfort level or faith or something that will stretch you. So my risky prayer and challenge to you this week is to participate. Become active in God's work in the world and the ministries and the opportunities of your church. 
in the activities and ministry of Jesus in this world. Participate. It means you may have to introduce yourself to someone when you'd rather not talk to, you know. We're joking about our kids. They're so different. All four of them love them equally, but they're not identical by any means. You and I and Abby and Aubrey were like, ooh, a chance to make a new friend, you know. You know, hi, my name is, and oh, I got a new friend. <laughs> and we have the other ones. How did you describe, how did you describe for Jacob? You don't remember what you said? I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was very clever. You're like, I'm all friended up, I think oh, is what he says. Yes, yes. I am all friended up. Don't need any more friends. <laughs> great kid. Great young man. Fantastic person. But he's all friended up. <laughs> he's an introvert. <laughs> he's an introvert. Um, but anyway, that is my receipt prayer. And, and let me just end with two more verses. 1 Corinthians 3, nine. For we are co-workers in God's service. We are co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. Okay? We are the church. And I'm going to close with Jesus' words. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for again for who you are. We thank you for those hilltop moments that we feel so on fire, so alive, and so thankful for who you are. God, we even thank you, although it's hard to realize that that's what we're doing, when we, for those lone moments when we say, God, we need you. Because it is those moments that not only help us realize the mountaintop moments, but they also help us realize when we're at the end of our faith. When we can no longer rely on ourselves or the world, but need to rely on you, which is the way it should be all the time. God, as we um, leave this place this morning, I ask again that we leave here changed, more aware of what it means to love and to serve, more aware with the ability to look outside of ourselves and see opportunities to do as Jesus did, to do as so many of the men and women in the Bible that we read about did, and that is to love and humble ourselves and serve others. We are never too busy or too proud to be like Christ. God, as always, I just want to close this prayer with a word of thanks for this building, this congregation, this safe and comfortable place where we can gather every week, the symbol it means to the community, to the world, what the cross means to us. Lord, again, I thank you and may all we do this week please and glorify you. Amen.